brothers and sisters, friends and comrades, this is the PRC Show. I am your host, Paul Cooley, and thank you for listening. Okay, we made it episode 10, and um, it is currently 99 degrees in Fort Worth, Texas. So uh, stay cool, put your suntan lotion on. Um, I guess stay inside. You really can't even go outside in that heat. And it is 79 here in central PA, uh, Harrisburg. So um, today on our show we have Anthony Faino. We're going to do a little TV talk. Um, and I want to say I have been extremely lazy. Yesterday I did absolutely nothing. I know it's Labor Day. You, you don't, you're not supposed to. But I didn't do anything. I mean, I, um, I was almost in a vegetative state. Um, I didn't even shower. You ever have those days when you don't even shower? I mean, it, it makes it worse. Then you start to think, like, what is wrong with me? I can't even um, utilize any calories just to do basic care for myself. Um, I had a relatively good weekend, though. Um, uh, in-laws were in. We had a good time. But um, I was so lazy, I really just started to feel bad and almost got into, like, a depression. And then I find out about this woman which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this for a second here, this um, Diana Nyad. I consider people like this a uh, saint. Now, I'm talking about the woman that she's like 64. She swam from Cuba to the United States, like 100 miles. This is like the fourth time she did it. Freaking unbelievable. Amazing. Um, and, you know, it really gave me inspiration. Like, I, the more I thought about this and what she did to overcome this, I mean, awesome. You know, and I know they make saints of uh, Pope John Paul or whatever, but for me, I'm not very spiritual. The people that I consider to be saintly or um, that really inspire me are mostly musicians or music, people that can create great, great pieces of art or film um, or, you know, some um, activist or, uh, you know, Martin Luther King would come to mind. Um, but uh, this Diana Nyad, I mean, so what did I do? Well, first off, yesterday I was so disgusting and, and dirty. Even my wife noticed that I had like a film of just crud on me just from – I didn't shower yesterday. You ever go one day without showering? Well, for me, I just uh, I have so much oil and it's disgusting. So anyways, inspired by Diana Nyad. Is that how you say her name? I woke up today, ran 12 miles. Yes, that's right. 12 miles, I haven't done that in probably uh, since last – I think I might have ran – I don't know, six months ago, maybe. I mean, I did the marathon, but that was in May. It's uh, now September. So um, I just want to say that was awesome. Diane and I had, oh, by the way, uh, kind of a uh, shout out to uh, the L LGBT community. She's a uh, open lesbian, apparently, but who cares? Awesome. I, okay, I keep talking about this. All right. Um, Today on our show, we're going to have uh, Anthony Faino. We're going to have a humorous discussion about television. It's a real lighthearted uh, little talk. It's not very long. But um, we talk a little bit about uh, 80s TV show. I say like the golden age, the second golden age right now. We're going through Breaking Bad and all that. We have a little discussion about that. It's a funny conversation. You should definitely stick around for that. Um, you know what? Let's... Uh Let's get to the letters, because we've definitely been having a lot more letters recently, and I want to read some from uh, this guy, Eric, who has listened to several episodes, and he had a couple comments. He wanted to say, um, going back to the right-wing extremists, he mentioned, um, he says in his letter, the example of that uh, 
um, the you know the right wingers being good. That person in Missouri that said that stuff about legitimate rape that helped get that woman, um, Claire McCaskill, elected. She was in a pretty tight race, and then that then her opponent said like, well, if it's legitimate rape, I mean something just insane. So you know that that's a good point, Eric. Um, he also says that uh, um, this I find very fascinating. He's we t- this is re- regarding episode seven or yeah the way we with Paul Barker, um, we were talking about uh, traveling abroad and all that and I don't know how it came up. We talked about King Ralph. Now he saw King Ralph in the theater. Now, I, how many people can say that? That you know, I know that movie is probably not that well known. Um, I'm uh, jealous of that. Um. Okay, and then uh, he had one more comment here. Um, oh, he said that uh, he has theories about traveling overseas, that, um, that traveling overseas with a girlfriend is like a relationship test. If you can get through that um, and still talk to each other, then the relationship will last. Um, you know what? I think that's a, that's a good point. Any sort of big move, you know, move. I think a move is like that, too, if you're moving to a different house. Or apartment, any kind of major stressor, and and traveling can be stressful. So, thank you for the, uh, thank you for the uh, letters, Eric. And he sent that by snail mail, by the way. Um, the uh, other letter here is um, okay. Here I'm going to read this. This is I'm, we always get these celebrities. It's awesome. Um, love the show, Paul. Uh, you need to do a show on gun violence. I'm hoping my candidates who supported common sense gun legislation in Colorado do not get recalled. John Morris and Ange- who is this person? John Morris and Angela Giron are two great Americans and should be applauded for their stance against the NRA. Do people really need more than 15 rounds of ammunition? Thanks for thanks for your uh, show. I love listening to it, Mayor Michael Bloomberg. Well, how about that? You know, I uh, I think I agree with them. You know, I've never been a big um, support gun gun rights or gun uh, control. Never been a big uh, issue one way or the other. I mean, for the most part, I'm for it. I mean, I'm for it, but I don't. It's not something passion for me. But uh, um, thanks for the uh, thanks for the letter. Okay, th- now we're gonna get to the part of the program where we have our sponsors, and as we know, our show is sponsored by. All the books I own, which I haven't read, and guess what? I just did something stupid. Well, whatever. I bought another book, and I'm not probably going to read it. So this is going to be the sponsor this week. It is called England Under the Stewards by G.M. Trevelyan. Trevelyan. Now, I am right now currently involved in a massive uh, study of 17th century uh, England. And so here, the back of this book said, this book has for many years been a standard history of 17th century England. So I saw that at the used bookstore. It was $6.95, and I said, I'm going to buy it. Now, then I looked, and this book was written like 110 years ago, so it's not the most up-to-date. But I guess it was kind of like a standard uh, history for a while. And it's really strange. Like, in the margins, there are um, typed, like, subheadings of, like, what is going on in that paragraph. Um, so, anyways, uh, pick this up at a u- local used bookstore. You might even be able to get a free PDF of this thing online, which I'm going to have to check later. Um, let me know what you think, and then email the show at prcshow at gmail.com. Again, that's prcshow at gmail.com, 
And uh, let me know if I should read this uh, history of um, England under the Stuarts. And uh, that's a good segue for our next segment. The world turned upside down, 17th century England. Okay, that's the new music for the new segment. As you heard, the world turned upside down, uh, 17th century England, which, by the way, may be the most interesting of all centuries. Um, just throwing it out, out there. If you disagree, email the show at prcshow at uh, gmail.com. So we're going to do this every week, uh, two minutes, maybe 10 minutes, just talk about the English, uh, the 17th century in England. And I'm reading a couple books on it. And we're going to go out of order. I think last week we talked about uh, Queen James, the, the gay Bible. Now, um, this week I just want to talk about a lot of religious themes here going on, but really some anti Catholic, anti popery. And um, I want to talk about Charles the First. Now, he's the one that eventually, as we all know, uh, gets um, executed and Oliver Cromwell comes in. But, um, you know, that happens because he just makes a lot of dumb decisions. First off, his wife, that I guess supposedly he truly, they were truly in love. Um, and this was a genuine relationship. Um, he wasn't out philandering around like his father was, having uh, extramarital affairs and uh, gay sex with uh, a gentleman. So Charles I is probably a good guy to his kids and his wife, Henrietta, who is from France. And, you know they're Catholic. That's a big problem here in uh, England. And the anti-popery stuff is off the hook there. Basically, uh, the way I like to think about this is it would be like if Obama married um, a woman from Pakistan um, that was like devoutly uh, Muslim and then trying to influence him all the time. I mean, it was outright uh, influencing uh, Charles. I mean, there was stuff with Christmas and just little ticky-tack things. Like, um, they uh, wanted to get more like ceremonial stuff going on in the English church to model it more after um, how Catholics, the Catholic tradition. Then you got the Puritans that want things really simple, you know. Um, and, you know, uh, I'm reading this book by this woman, Perkis, and she says that, you know, popery was foreign. It was especially Spanish, which, you know, they're, that's a rival. They had the big boar in 18, 1588, or the English defeat of the Spanish Armand or whatever. Um, and uh, they considered it uh, silly and nonsensical. Um, so th there was this other guy, Laud. He was like the um, one of the bishops and uh, a big uh, thinker for English um, Protestantism. And he's also uh, messing things up in the sense of uh, pushing this Catholic type of Protestantism. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, um, he's trying to bring more aesthetics into the church. Um, you know, there's a little scene in uh, one movie about Cromwell. I think it was made in the 70s where Cromwell's in church one day and then, like, they bring up some gold crosses or something and uh, it's like an order from um, the Church of England. Oh, we're going to decorate here. He, sh you know, throws a fit, uh, destroys the stuff. And, you know, they didn't want to have crosses or anything like that. That was, um, that's kind of like idolatry. Um, so, 
uh, there's this view. Uh, does anyone know about this um, religion called Arminianism? I mean, no one practices this stuff anymore, thank God. But, it, I mean, this is actually not a bad view, I think. But it was a form of Protestantism that it was the belief that men and women uh, could be saved by their own works and their own goodness and repentance. And it was sort of a uh, rejection of... Oh, Sean talked about this in another episode. Like the... Um, uh, what the heck? Hold on. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Predestination. Um, you know, what? that's like a strict Calvinist, like a central doctrine that, you know, you're already bound to heaven or hell and you just got to, you know, try to live your life um, as as best as you can and hope that you don't screw it up. Um, and that, you know, it's for you to think that you can uh, get to heaven by doing good works is disrespectful of God because, like, he, it's already determined. And um, so this is kind of like a Catholic view, and this is what uh, Laud is pushing, Archbishop Laud, and then he also promotes this prayer book, which triggers, okay, the prayer book is kind of like the state's the whole state of England says these are the gospels and the homilies that you got to read in church, and this outrages uh, the Scots. And by the way, the Scots are kind of interesting too. There's the people in the Highlands and the people in the Lowlands. The people in the Lowlands are supposedly—I uh, don't want to get uh, offensive here—but the people in the Lowlands thought the people in the Highlands were kind of like bar barbarians and you know uh, ruffians and stuff like that. I guess how Americans view people in the South, like, you know. Um, so the prayer book becomes a big issue. This stuff also reminds me of 9-11 and the anti-Muslim stuff that's going on here. Uh, like, they had, uh, they actually thought that, you know, the European Catholics were going to come over, um, create a war, and eradicate Protestantism. And, you know, with good reason. There was a 30 years war in Germany fought over, basically, uh, who's going to rule the roost here, uh, Catholicism or Protestantism. Um, but there was tons of like pamphlets and stuff and, uh, all kinds of different plots that may have been real or, uh, phony, uh, plots, just, you know, people drumming this stuff up by like a, you know, I guess some of these pamphlets you could kind of be akin to like a Fox News, um, um, oh, then there was a Guy Fox, uh, we'll talk about him later, um, but, uh, Okay, this uh, book I'm reading says, um, it's believed that the Pope was behind a lot of these things. Um, oh, yeah, this is funny. The Pope would give people indulgences for, you know, going, trying to attack and make war um, in uh, against Protestants. And, you know, what's an indulgence? Well, we all know that we're not good enough to get into heaven, so you're probably going to have to spend time in purgatory. So an indulgence like, lessens your time in uh, purgatory. I mean, you people believe this stuff um anyways I, I this is just what i've been getting so far um and it really makes me think that i need to have a whole episode on like what the common man believed because there's a lot of this uh in some ways you think these people are very progressive and um you know they want to have the right to vote and we'll get on we'll get, we'll get into this when we get more into uh the, the, the civil war with and cromwell and the levelers but, I mean, they really do believe in this word magic stuff, and, the, and they're very religious, and that is sort of dictating the ideas and the actions of the day. And um, religion and politics is, uh, they're the one and the same in a sense. Um, 
So uh, to wrap it up, okay, as Perkis says, Parliament propaganda sought to link Laud, that's the archbishop, um, with popery, tyranny, and barbarity, while Parliament fashioned itself as the upholder of traditional uh, liberties. You know, I love when you hear these things like tyranny and freedom, like you hear it today, like I'm for freedom and against tyranny. You know, that doesn't mean anything. Um, really, just like it didn't mean anything back then, because Laud wasn't really for tyranny um, or barbarity. He just wanted to promote a little bit of some uh, Catholicism-style religion. I mean, even though he was a Protestant, though. Um, okay, and that's the end of the segment. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a little bit more concise and clear next time. Um, as we do more of these, uh, we'll get better. The world turned upside down, 17th century England. TV? Yes. Okay. So a lot of people are saying now we're in the golden golden age of television. And you know what we're not in the golden age of? Television theme songs. And that might be true. And, you know, I think this is a... In years down the road, we're going to talk about this and say, maybe we weren't in the golden age. Because let me just... I'm not going to sing the songs, but let me just go through... And the audience of people listening, they're going to know these songs in their head. Perfect Strangers, great theme. Yep. Family Matters. Great. That was an okay one. Full House. Everywhere you I think I know every word of that song right now. Okay. Still. Um, well, how does it start? Okay, I don't know the beginning of it. Whatever happened to the... Whatever yes. It, yeah. There you go. Step by step. Step by step. Day by day by day. Okay. Growing Pains, and then I think one of the best ones ever, Family Ties. That was the golden age of, um, that was the golden age of, um, you know, I think, of at least theme songs. And I think you can put those shows, the show themselves, I think Family Matters, can we agree that's probably the weakest of those shows? Yeah, I think that's probably Uh, Urkel was a little bit of a novelty, and if you're like 10, maybe you like it, but overall. Yeah. I think you can put those shows up against Breaking Bad, Mad Men, The Wire, and The Sopranos as, you know, what's in terms of like uh, as a te- as a collection of shows, which collection of shows is better? Yeah, I mean, I think I think probably less people will remember those new shows from the supposed golden age of television because they have forgettable theme songs in 15 years than we right now remember those shows from 20 years ago. Yeah, and um, and they have forgettable characters, really. They have a couple strong characters. you got Walter White from Breaking Bad. Um, but you got, like, Jesse from uh, Full House. Yeah, I mean, he was in a band. Yeah. Y- you know, you got um, Kirk Cameron from uh, Growing Pains. And I think he yeah, does... I think he would have been forgettable if he didn't do all this other stuff, like the Left Behind stuff recently. Did he do Left Behind? Or he's a promoter of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he became like a real um, fire and brimstone with a smile. Yeah, kind exactly, of Christian. yeah. Like, yeah. yeah he's, like, he's a great spokesperson for that. I mean, yeah, I, he has that, yeah, that yeah. Look. I would like to get him on the show. I, I find that that whole idea very fascinating, whatever he's into. It's, I don't know if he's a Calvinist or what, but... Um, but uh, 
I don't know. Out of the shows, out of the uh, the, the new shows, Breaking Bad, Mad Men, Wire, Sopranos. I guess you could throw. What are the other uh, golden age of TV? Lost. Do people say Lost is a show that's like in that? But everyone didn't like the finale. Yeah, I think Lost has. I don't think people. Mm, I don't know. I think I think the it definitely has the, the sort of the the fan base and the. And it was like a new, it was a network show that kind of got a lot of excitement, and it was a little bit different or whatever. Um, It was like a movie almost type Mm -hmm. of thing. Um, But do you think those shows will, you know, outside of the, uh, outside of the theme songs, are they going to have the kind of cultural impact that um, Perfect Strangers has had? I don't think they'll be able to have the, the same cultural in, impact. I think at this point we're like, we just like are fetishizing Balky Bartokamus. I mean, did he really have a cultural impact though? Maybe he didn't. Oh, I think he did. I mean, like that relationship between those two? Yeah. I mean, that sort of you know defined urban living for a lot of people, I think. And they were two guys that were straight, but were they gay? No, they weren't gay. They were just perfect strangers. They're that end up perfect now, strangers. And did you and you where, where do you live right now? Uh, Chicago, actually. Was this a big impact? Be honest. It was. It was. And I actually had to. I mean, I spent my first three years there trying to find the perfect stranger for a roommate and failed miserably, unfortunately. Uh-huh. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, did you go to all the little spots on the um, the beginning of that show where they're like running around Chicago? Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually hoping to start a little theme song tour yeah like oh this is where um they were going it was windy uh-huh. and then they <laughs> went out the door and then yeah. they went through the the door yeah i i love that show i love that theme although uh my father hated that show because he always thought balky bartokamus was so um i don't know buffoon he couldn't get over it i mean me and my mom would watch it and laugh and he just he just hated that what was your favorite show of those do you remember those perfect strangers family kind yeah, of step I by think step perfect Growing strangers Pains. was probably my favorite because I saw it just enough to like it, but I couldn't. I didn't really remember watching it as much as the other ones. Yeah, those were Family Ties, which I don't really think I watched all that much. Family Ties was a little bit before those. Yeah, it was, um, a, little, it was a little too serious. I remember. Uh, yeah, there, there was a, and Growing Pains. Um, there was that character Boner. Remember that guy? Boner. Oh, Boner. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, Boner. I mean that was a that was a main character. And t- isn't that a weird name for a character on Family? Yeah, like a yeah. family show. That's I never really thought about that. And there was yeah. that woman; she had like the uh, eating disorder and all that stuff. I mean, she didn't have any eating disorder. Not in the show, right? Yeah. Um, Tracy Gold. Um, okay, so uh, you know I, this show we're filming. We're not filming this. We're recording this uh, right at the beginning of season five, part two of Breaking Bad. Do you have any predictions what's going to happen with uh, Walter White? How do you think this show is going to end? I think. I think Walter White will get away. Mm-hmm. I think he'll sacrifice maybe his family. He'll sacrifice his family for his own, like, like he'll throw his family under the bus type of deal. I mean, definitely his wife, maybe. His son, maybe. He might be just collateral damage of something before. You his mean like decision. sacrifice, like family dying, going to jail, like wife going know. to jail? I don't know. trying to see where this is going and how it can end. Because I definitely feel like they're going to end it with Walter White as the evil character not getting away cleanly. But I don't think killing him is 
good enough. So you're you're a, you're not a fan of Walter White at this point. Oh, I think he needs to get his comeuppance. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I I'm very and you know, I remember listening to an interview with the um, director. What is this, Vince Gilligan? Yeah, the Gilligan? guy, yeah. the creator, or whatever. And um, he kind of said like, I wanted to create a show where the guy's good at the beginning, and then he just goes on this downward spiral. You take him from one end to the other. And that's what he's doing. And so yeah. for him not to do that would be a little bit of different what, what he says. Now, I've heard some theories that maybe, you know, where they're doing these flash forwards, maybe Walter White's going to try to save somebody and do some redeeming quality at the end. Um, but uh, for him to, like, screw over his family, that would be the ultimate, you know, yeah. evil act, given that the whole reason he started this in the first place it was was but, for his family, but then when you, you recently in the first half of the um, fifth season, he he made it clear that the reason he's in this right now is not money, not it's, his family, it's for empire. It's yeah, he does say that. Yeah, it's like self satisfaction, and he has been a loser sort of his whole life. Just as you know, he lost. The, there was that episode where he says he could have made a lot of money with that. Um, Whatever, what was that? That, that, chemi- that company, yeah, yeah whatever that was. He what, they sold did. it for five thousand or something, and yeah, now he's all about just uh, himself and, and the empire. And yeah, the, and the, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that I think they. I don't think the cancer will come back. I don't think that'll be a part of the show. I think that's too easy. I think there's. I don't. know, It's got to be. Yeah. I think they're going to show him. As unbelievably awful, and I hope they do. I hope that he becomes so irredeemably awful. It would be something that you probably haven't seen in TV, where they really do just take. You, you never see them uh, a character that's you like, and they're like, "We're just gonna make him. You, we don't want you to like this guy." Yeah. They always try to. The arc is in any story, really, from good to bad to good, or they struggle. This is just one long, slow trajectory. Mm-hmm. Every episode, he gets worse and worse. Um, yeah, I. I do want to see him suffer. I know that sounds terrible, but. Um, it's uh, with a little kid, you know, and, and yeah. with Jesse. I mean, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, what did I want to say? Now, do you think the do you think this is going to go down? Do you think this show has the potential to be like one of the, well the best like sort of dramas in t- in TV history? I think if they end it right, it can be good. I think there wasn't as much consistency as there was in some of the other shows. I feel like, I mean, I haven't watched the early seasons in a while, but I feel like looking back on them, I they might not exactly fit. There was the a lot of, there, there, there was some episodes where it was like a caper, like a quick, like, you know, mm-hmm. there was a lot of high drama and like, well, they got to get out of this jam or do something. And it was like racing against the clock or something. And those were kind of fun episodes, but um, yeah, it wasn't as, Rich, I guess. It was yeah, I mean, there's a lot. The quick thrill type of thing. There's deal. a lot going on with the show and the the narrative and the production. and Season five has been, I almost think, the best. Oh, I think it's been great. I mean, I've only seen the first part of it. Yeah, the none first of the, eight, None though. of the new stuff. But the first eight are great. It's like the first season, almost. The first season is probably the, the, the best. I thought, yeah, seasons maybe two or three got got a little I don't know I'd have to go back and revisit it but um I don't know I think they could even I I think they could almost screw it up and it could still be you know they could make him have a conversion to Christianity and repent all his sins and I still think that would, hell that would be an interesting thing I don't think that would work for me very well 
you wouldn't you wouldn't be into him coming. No, I think yeah, I think I'm pretty sure they have to end the second the second half of this sec this last season really well. And if they can if they kind of make the whole thing make sense and they don't do some BS at the end to kind of like trick us audience people. I so think it can be so you would be against say um we find out that uh the last episode is a dream state where Walter White just cooked his first batch of um meth and he said Wow, that was a really bad dream. I'm never doing this again. I just made a hundred thousand dollars. I'm done. That would I would probably destroy my TV if I saw that. Like I I took the, I took the 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 this the ending of the first season of The Killing pretty badly. Yeah, and I kind of bitched about that for about a week and a half. Yeah, yeah. But I think if something a like dream that happened, state, I think I would, um I, would I think somebody. there would be. I if it, if this end up being like a dream of any se- sequence where most of the stuff that he did was just all in his head and it was a dream, I think you would actually see for the first time, like uh, kind of like how people were rallying behind Conan O'Brien and like protesting when he got fired. I think it would be, it would be like a uh, anti-war in Iraq level of protest. Oh yeah, I, I think mean, there would, would be people in the streets. That makes me almost want to see that, to see if that would happen. Just to an alternate universe. Would would people take that show that seriously? And, and, and um, you know, front of the New York Times, you know, fans outraged. Yeah. yeah, that might be interesting. Yeah. But I think, getting back to the ending of this show, they've done so well at showing how every one of his decisions makes sense in context. And yeah. as it goes further and further down the rabbit hole of this, like, empire yeah. building, it all was a logical step and Walter White was there to sort of explain himself and why yeah. he was doing it. Yeah. So for them to make some big jump at the end would totally destroy that right. everything they did. I but mean, it's it's all, the but whole th- premise of the show is that it, that these are a series of logical steps, you know, taken within this short time frame. But it's so hard to end shows. I mean, that's like the hardest thing to do, I think, oh, because yeah. um, you look at like Lost or... Uh, I don't think people like the end of The Sopranos. I don't even. I have no. Seen that, that was. Show. I mean, that was really. I don't know how I feel about the end of that show. Battlestar Galactica. That was a show I really liked, and um, the ending of that wasn't really great. But it's hard to kind of wrap and tie everything up. I'd almost be happy with a um, a sort of uh, half ending where you know something big happens, but then there's a lot of possibilities of like, well, maybe. Well, it's clear that you know this guy's going to jail, but we don't know like Walter White, and then you can make me. How about this one? They might try to leave it open for a movie. Think that might happen? A movie. They're, they're, they'll, le- they'll end it, and it'll be like there is some sort of conclusion, but the door will be kept open to like kind of f- it'll be then Walter White is the bad like criminal type guy, and maybe Jesse becomes a cop, and he's like a inf- you know. That'd be great undercover. too because you have like a little montage sequence of Jesse training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll have a nice song there, and good. then he'll be like, yeah, doing you know boot camp, but. Um, all right. Uh, any thoughts on? Um, I just wanted to tie this up. Of um, the uh, what did you say? The best shows of Perfect Strangers, Family Ties. You said Step by. St- you didn't. S- you didn't like Step by Step. No? Uh, Step by Step. I remember watching that, and I was sort of getting to that age where I'm like, "This is this a little is, too hokey." I'm, I'll enjoy this and I'll watch this, but you know, I, I think I'm coming to the end of my TGIF. Yeah, ha- you know what? Um, have you tried to watch any of these shows recently? No, I, I watched Full House a couple years ago, and I was not surprised that it was uh, what it was. I mean, uh, th- 
there was no difference in my memory now. Yeah. I kind of ex- it aged the way I expected it to. Yeah, age. and I saw an episode of Perfect Strangers online, and um, I actually liked it. They they were sleeping in a bed, and Balky was snoring or something. They were having a hard time. It was a very humorous, uh, a humorous thing. But um, all right, well we'll leave it at that, and um, I, we look forward to joining your Perfect Strangers theme song tour that you'll be starting up shortly. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll give you the dates later. Thanks. Okay, that is our show. I hope you liked it. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about doing a show on online universities and online schooling. I'm not going to be able to do as many episodes in the future because I'm still getting my bachelor's of nursing and science. So um, I'm going to try to still do one a week. Um, Okay, thanks for listening. Show. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PRC show or follow us on Tumblr at prcshow.tumblr.com. All of these episodes can be found at soundcloud.com slash PRC show. Your host is Paul Robert Cooley Jr. Technological consultant, sound design, host curation, and music production is also by Paul Robert Cooley. Emotional support brought to you by the roommates of Salvador and Kate G. Executive producer is Josh Ferris. All labors donated. Thanks for listening.